man, I can just think all day long and just like put so many scenarios together to where like this is the truth. And the truth is we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made, but we can't just think all the time. We've got to actually put things into action. And the truth is because we're fearfully made, oftentimes we think and there's, there becomes this paralysis of analysis that goes on inside of us. And then we're just like still full of thoughts. And, and we got to realize that we are in a lot of ways designed to be able to be fearfully and wonderfully made to where we can really get lost in our thoughts pretty easily. But we've got to be able to take the scriptures to heart and then put into action the things that we deeply think about. And so our first point, we only have two points today. Our first point is reflect and connect with your DNA. Come on. I think a lot of times we reflect and we get to this place of thinking, but we don't really connect with it to lead to action. And that's what we've got to be able to do. And typically the reason that it doesn't lead to action is because of maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's an overwhelming understanding of what, what's ahead. We assume so many things. There's doubt. There's lack of motivation. There's uncertainty. And so we get stuck in our situation and in our thoughts and in our, our mental space. You know, I was sharing my faith with a guy on campus, and he said, you know, it's, it's really there's Jesus, there's Muhammad, there's Buddha, there's all these places. But if you just shut your eyes, we're all in the same space. Kind of true. Like we can shut our eyes and we can go to that place, and it's we were designed to be able to be fearfully, wonderfully created to where we can have deep thoughts and we can have emotions. And it wasn't designed like that, though, by God, so that we would just stay in our thoughts. It was designed so that we would reflect on things, but then we connect with our purpose, why we were made, and then we put it into practice and truly live out our DNA. You know, the fact is we can't see God, but God always sees us. And that's uh, pretty inspiring, but it's also pretty sobering. That just because we can't see God, God's always able to see what's going on in our lives. Yeah. And He sees right into our hearts. He sees our DNA. He knows that all of us have fears. All of us have doubts. That, that we're made like that. We were actually designed by God to have a relationship with God where we depend on Him. That's actually the way we're designed. And so sometimes if we're scared of something and we're fearful or we're, doubt, we're doubting, we think, oh, I'm not good enough. But we were designed like that so that we would in turn take all of that stuff, give it over to God, and then just walk with God in the plan that he's created for us. It's our DNA of why we were created was to truly actually depend on God. You know, we need God's direction in our life. And what's amazing is when we connect with that and we realize that we need God to do the things, to overcome the things that we need to overcome in this life. And we need people in our lives that are going to point us towards God. I mean, there's been so many situations in my life where it's like, I don't think I can do it. And then the Word of God gets in my life and people get in my life who are going to push me towards the Word of God and actually hold me to the Word of God. And then I'm overcoming fears. I'm doing things I never thought I'd be able to do because I have people in the Word of God in my life pushing me to pass these fears or these things that I need to be able to overcome. You know, ironically though, we can totally ignore this fear calling or to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we can just go build our own kingdom and ironically it produces this incredible confidence. Um, and it, it produces this, and I believe Satan allows that to happen because then we don't need to depend on God and we have this confidence that we can just do it on our own. But we were made to be fearfully made. We were made to be, to be wonderful. We were made to be in awe and say, wow, we need God to do the things that we are called to do. We weren't made to depend on just ourselves. 
We were made to depend on our Creator and people who will push us towards our Creator. We were made for discipling. We were made to be sanctified by the very words of God. You know, uh, one of the movies that I love is uh, Moana. And if anybody's ever seen uh, Moana, now I know that there's different aspects of this movie that aren't spiritual. That's not what we're talking about. We're just going to talk about the plot of the movie. And uh, Moana, she's this incredible girl. She grows up on this Polynesian island, and she's, you know, she's a, just a happy camper, so to say. And her dad's the chief of this island, and, and uh, her dad's plan is for her to be able to raise up to take over being the chief, because she really cares about her people. But she gets this calling, and it's a calling with a ton of fear. It's a calling that's going to take a lot of guts. It's going to take a lot of courage. And, and she kind of like entertains it, but then it kind of goes against like the plans that people have for her life. So she's kind of like in this limbo. And then she finally goes out and she starts to see more. And she gets a little bit more fearful, right? She goes out in the water and the water like opens up. And it's, you know, obviously it's a fictional cartoon. But uh, she starts to, this message starts to resonate of this calling that she's called to. And then so she says, you know what, I, I got, I'm going to go be on the reef, and challenges happen, and she goes out into the water, and it gets rough, and she gets so scared, and she gets discouraged, and fear seeps in, and then so she goes back. And then not only does the fear seep in, but she also gets scolded by her, her parents, and she's told not to think about those kind of things, but she's trying, what's happening is she's connecting with the roots of her people. And her people, people were voyagers. That's what, the only reason that they had what they had was because they went out and they explored and they navigated. And here she is, she's wanting to connect with it, but it's dangerous and it's risky and, and she's fearfully designed and so she's not sure exactly what to do. And then she's got faithful grandma. Anybody got faithful grandma in their lives? I mean, a lot of times people have faithful grandma in their lives. If you don't, you see it in a movie. Or, uh, you know, it's amazing that faithful grandma comes in and just puts a whole bunch of faith into Moana. And Moana's just starting to dream and, and she's got somebody in her life pushing her towards her calling. And you know, it's opposed by so many people. And I think of how much like discipleship this is. You know, there's a call. It's, it's, it's scary to be a true disciple. To really give up everything and to deny yourself and carry your cross and, and be surrendered and to love even your enemies and to face your fears. And, and we got so many people in our lives saying, no, take the, take the safe route. Just settle down, be comfortable, be a nice person. Get plugged into somewhere we're going to be taken care of. And then you got whether it's faithful grandma or faithful coworker, faithful classmate, whoever it is, they're pushing you to be a true disciple. And it's just like, man, it's, I'm fearful of what, what that entails. And that's good. We shouldn't be fearful of the call of discipleship. It's how we were made. And long story short, Moana, she faces, you know, she, she says, I'm going. She commits herself and she gets past the reef and there's a typhoon and there's coconut pirates and monsters and all these different things that she's got to face. But long story short, she overcomes, she comes back, and she saves her people. And I think of how much like discipleship that is. It's that, yeah, we're fearfully made. The things that God calls us to do, they absolutely take courage. They take a lot of faith. They talk, take a lot of guts. But the amazing thing is when we reflect on our calling, and then we connect with it in the Scriptures, and we put into practice what we see from the Bible. Yeah, we're going to have people telling us, don't do that, don't worry about those kind of things, just be comfortable. But then we're going to have people who are going to push us to face our fears. Yeah. And we're going to have God Almighty who's, who's speaking to us through nature and through the trees and through a sunny sense, through the prophets, through the scriptures, that are going to continually call us to be true disciples. Yeah. 
and to give up everything and to go forward and help change the world. And for us, when we realize that our DNA is that the call to discipleship is a challenging call, but it's possible by the help of God, and we were actually designed to be disciples and to rely on God, we will face our fears, we'll both reflect, and we'll connect with the true DNA that we have. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't want to talk about Disney movies all morning. I don't have that much time. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to pick up here in verse 16. The DNA of a true disciple with God's Spirit. In verse 16, it says, But when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now in context, this is talking about the Old Testament. and The Old Testament was full of rules and legalism. Or, you know, I'll watch that word. But there was a lot of rules that the Old Testament had. Same God. Um, and then through the Spirit, there's a veil that gets lifted that Jesus actually came and fulfilled all the Old Testament. That we no longer need to have sacrifices. That we no longer need to be able to be like dot, dot, dot to the law. And that we can actually live by the Spirit that God has given us. This veil gets taken out of our face. And we can see clearly. And in verse 16 it says, Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now I love what Alicia shared is that we're called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our DNA was actually is designed by God that we constantly change out of the world and into God's kingdom to become more and more like His Son. You know, the Bible says when there's the Spirit of God, there's freedom. What is their freedom from? From worry, from, from fear, from doubt, from uh, you know, the corrupt world that we live in, from sin. When we actually live by the Spirit and we're focused on the things that God's focused on, there's a constant transformation that's happening inside of us, and that's the way we were built by God. We were actually built to change. That's our DNA. Our DNA is not just built to just stay the same. You know, so oftentimes I hear people say, oh, I'm just shy, that's the way I am. I'm just negative. That's just who I am. I just have a very, very, you know, hard heart. That's just the way I am. That's not the DNA of a disciple. A D the DNA of a disciple is that we are constantly changing to become like Jesus and that we're not who we used to be a year ago. I'm so different than I used to be a year ago. A year ago, I used to get way, way, I used to be way shorter. Not physically, but just like in my attitude. I used to get way, I used to get bothered quicker. And it's like, that threshold keeps getting pushed more and more and more. And that's how it should be in the life of disciples, is that we're constantly changing. Our DNA was made to change. So if anyone says that, and I can't change, that's just the way I am. That's not the right DNA that we're living by. We're not living by the spirit at that point. We're living by the patterns of this world. And we need to be willing to let the spirit of God change us day in and day out. You know, I think of... Uh, you know, what's popular today, what's trending today. I saw a, a picture, you know, so many people keep up with the Kardashians, and they keep up with, you know, I looked up on, uh, yeah, the other, last night actually, who was the most uh, followed people, celebrities, and it was like Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, and 
uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and uh, I think The Rock's awesome. So, but what, constantly what's happening is people are transforming to become like these celebrities. I mean, you know, the man bun and the, the big like beard used to not be popular like five years ago. That's true. It was actually weird. Um, like a, a nice fade was only for certain people. Now it's like everybody's getting nice fades, you know? Like they look awesome. We're transforming, right? We're changing according to the style. And uh, you know, the mullet used to be cool. It used to be a really, really cool cut to have a nice mullet in the back, a nice like comb over in the front. It's not you know, I'm not the judge of cool, but I don't think that's cool anymore right? in our society today. Yeah. But it used to be really cool. Like, people used to look at the movie stars back in the day, they had mullets. Yeah. It was a cool cut. And now it's, it's not. It's, it's because we've transformed and, and constantly we're transforming to keep up with society. You know, uh, whatever they get, the Kardashians, they have bangs, they have different hairstyles. So everybody should have bangs with different hairstyles. So, you know, it's cool to be to be really, really strong as guys. No, it's cool to be really, really skinny as guys. Like, there's just so many different things that are, are floating around, and we're trying to fit an image, and we're willing to transform. I remember for me, I was willing to do whatever it took to transform. I do drugs, I hang out with different people, I, I refuse to do certain things, just because I wanted to transform into an image of, of acceptance. And for us, we got to realize that our DNA, the DNA of a disciple, is somebody who's transforming to become more and more like Christ. You know, when we look at Christ, I mean, Christ was forgiving. Now, if you look at your life for the last maybe month, the last two months or three months, have you become more forgiving? You know, Jesus was mission-focused. Can we look at our lives and say, we're becoming more mission-focused? Jesus was generous. He was disciplined. He was kind. Jesus was all these things that we're called to make Him our role model. You know, instead of keeping up with the Kardashians, we need to keep up with Christ. That's, that's kind of the, the mindset we need to be able to have. I don't know if the Kardashians are relevant anymore. And, you know, I have one simple challenge from this point. What area do you need to let God radically transform you in so that you can become more like Christ? And I want to challenge you to have the faith that you can change. Have the faith that you can, that your DNA was made. We're made that we are fearful. Change is scary. I remember Hershey's slogan was uh, something about change. Like change is bad. I think that was just their slogan for so long because it's the same chocolate that you're gonna have over time. There's there's no difference. But we gotta realize that our DNA was made. We're, we are fearful. We're wonderful. But we're made to really, really respect God and to let the scriptures push us to do the things that we're scared to do. And just because you're scared, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means we can't let that fear hold us back from becoming more and more like Christ, the way that God calls us to become like Christ. Our second and final point today is be part of Jesus' non-GMO project. Uh, you know, the non-GMO project... Uh, GMOs are genetically modified organisms. And they're changed from their original state because it's easier, it's, you can mass produce, these kind of things. I'm not here to make a stand about GMOs, I'm just using this point uh, when it comes to discipleship. And so the, the non-GMO project, their mission is to preserve and build sources of non-GMO products, educate consumers, and provide verified non-GMO choices. The project works with food manufacturers, distributors, growers, and seed suppliers to uphold the standards. 
So there's this whole project going on that, that we would fill our grocery stores, we would fill our families, we would fill our communities with, with, with foods that haven't been genetically modified because the organic way is the best way for the human body. And yeah, it may not mass produce as much, it may not be as you know, readily available, but it's going to be enough because it's authentic and it's going to have the right nutrition for people. That's the whole non-GMO project. You may or may not know too much about it, but we're going to look at it in terms of discipleship. A genetically modified organism is any organism whose genetic material has been altered using different techniques. And so it started out, I believe it was gene splicing, and they cross-hybrid different things to be able to, to grow different items. And so, but, but now they've gotten to a place where it's actually changing the DNA of actual products and foods so that they can be mass-produced and they're more available for us to be able to have, but we get robbed of some of the nutrition, and we don't know the long-term effects. We just know in the meantime, there's plenty of stuff. I mean, when you go to the grocery store and you see the apples and the, yeah. the tomatoes and you see the oranges and they're just like bright, like cartoon colors, it's, it's because they're not all natural. It's because there's there's stuff that's put in. There's waxes on those, there's wax on those apples and there's uh, different things. When you actually see like a, a natural carrot or like a natural apple, it looks kind of like uh, what we to be gross, but it's the organic, proper way. Now, not all of it is, but a lot of it is. Um, and we just get used to seeing, like, a tomato should just be like a beautiful, bright red cartoon tomato. <laughs> and so if it doesn't look like that, we're like, oh man. I remember Marvin and Natalie, they grow tomatoes and they look kind of like, uh, you know, they've been like uh, forgotten about. But the truth <laughs> is, <laughs> the truth is, that's actually what they look like. And they're, most, they're, they're full of the nutrients. They taste really, really good, so don't ever judge your book by its yeah. Come on. And, uh, but a gene is a sequence of DNA that has the rules for which information is translated and function. Yes. So, when the genes are altered, they start to act different, and they start to be able to produce something different and function differently. Yeah. You know, for us, we've got to become part of Jesus' non-GMO project to where we function as disciples the way the Bible calls us to. That it's not okay to tolerate sin. It's not okay to live a different life than what Jesus taught. It's not okay to, to throw under the rug and nobody's perfect, so I'm just going to keep living my life the way I want to live it. No, we need to get back to it so that there's no modifications, but we're actually living the way that the Bible teaches. Because we live in a world where the doctrine of, of Christianity has been so modified. And people have settled for it and just eaten it up. Eat it up so much to the point when we see like the natural doctrine of the Bible, it looks like one of those tomatoes over at the Smith's place. <laughs> and when we see this modified doctrine, which is basically false doctrine, which is also like these tomatoes in the grocery store that look so beautiful, we say, you know what, I just want this beautiful, nice, plump, yummy looking tomato. And that's what people start to soak up for doctrine. You know, why are there so many churches around? Yet, crime rates are up. Why are there so many churches around, yet so many people are, you know, buying drugs, marijuana is going on, so many different things are happening. You know, we live in a nation that claims almost 85% Christianity, but we house 25% of the, the, the prisoners in the world. It's crazy when we look at really what's going on. And we've got to not let ourselves get modified by the true doctrine that's in the scriptures. We've got to become part of true biblical, this Jesus project. Let's go to John chapter 17. You know, you got to ask yourself, are you part of this project or have you fallen for 
the GMOs of Christianity. Come on, Brian. In John chapter 17 and verse 6, you know, if we ever inspect a prayer life, it's the prayer life of somebody right before their death. And we're going to look at Jesus' prayer right before he's about to be handed over and, and crucified. Yet his prayer was so benevolent towards those who chose to follow him. And in verse 6, the Bible says, I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them, not, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And I glory, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protected by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one due to destruction, so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not for you, or my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That was amazing to study out Jesus' prayer here. And so many times in this passage, Jesus talks about accepting His Word, obeying His Word, being unified on His Word, and building a family of believers who all have the same doctrine. Yeah. You know, you go to churches around today, and you ask them how you become a Christian. You ask, how is somebody saved? What's, the, what's God's plan of salvation? And you go to a church. Go to a mega church. Well, believe me, take my word about a mega church. You go and you talk to 10 different people, you get 10 different answers about what it means to be a Christian. You get 10 different answers about what it means to be saved. You get a whole bunch of different opinions about discipleship or about Christianity or about being a believer or being part of God's church. And Jesus' whole plan was that the, the believers would be so tight. They'd be so unified. They'd share the same doctrine. They'd all seek first the kingdom. They'd all be disciples. They'd all give up everything to be able to follow Jesus. And that was Jesus' vision in his prayer. Is that that wouldn't get modified. Now sadly, it's been so modified today. And thank God that we can hear the message of being true disciples of Jesus. You know, we're called to adore Christ and not to become religious. You know, a genetically modified Christian, they're religious, you know, they look good in front of people, or, but their hearts aren't really, man, I'm all in for God. It's not really I want to sit down with other people and teach them about Christ. It's not really I want to, I want to truly help people. I want to truly pray for people. I want to see this world changed for Christ. You know, so many people today, they think you go to church, but your main focus is really your career. Your main focus is fill in the blank. That's really the main focus. 
But on the, on the side, you do your Christianity because you don't want to miss out on eternal life. And Jesus' prayer was that, no, these people have heard my word. They've accepted my word. I mean, when you just studied out, Jesus said, they've obeyed your word. I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They may be one. I've given them your word. Sanctify them by your word. And people would believe through their message. That's how tight. That's a, that's a true organic discipleship in church. Amen. None of this genetically modified stuff about changing Jesus' plan for his people in his, in his church. You know, how do we become non-GMO disciples in God's eyes? How do we not get modified? How do we have the doctrine that's not different? Well, we simply just, we take time to actually study this. We pull people in our lives who are going to help us study this. And then we just make decisions to obey. That's it. It's not about us. It's not about what society thinks. It's just solely about God. And when that's the case, when we'll just believe this stuff and we'll put it into practice and we'll let people actually get in our lives and coach us, it was the most uncomfortable. More uncomfortable than legs day. More uncomfortable than dieting. It was more uncomfortable than, than meetings and presentations. Becoming a disciple is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And it's true because you're, really, you're literally signing your life over to another Lord. So many people literally think that Jesus is the Lord of their life without signing over the paperwork. They're like still holding on to the pink slip in their car, you know? Uh, and, and they're just like, yeah, I'm with Jesus, but I still got the keys to my own life. That's not a Lord. If, if somebody's your Lord, your, your whole life has been signed over to them. Your will has been signed over. It's a covenant relationship. That everything is now under the kingship of Jesus. And anything else has been modified. It's a modified Christian. And modified Christians don't go to heaven. There's actually no such thing as a modified Christian. Now, Jesus does talk about this sanctification process. So I don't want these words to get twisted at all. We're constantly called to be changing. And to become more holy. That's our DNA as disciples. Is that through the word of God, every time we have a deep time, every time we hear a sermon, every time we have a quiet time, every time we pour our heart out to God in prayer, we should be getting sanctified by the very words of God. And that was Jesus' prayer. He said, I became sanctified to help the disciples. And you better believe that we're all called to get sanctified to go and help the lost world. This is what it looks like to not be modified from the true beliefs. You know, when I heard that, that truly to follow Jesus, you've got to hear this message, then you've got to believe it, then you've got to actually repent of your sin, right? You've got to make the decision to turn away from your old life and to go towards discipleship. And then you can be baptized into Christ so that all your, your sin will be forgiven and you can live a new life in God's kingdom. That was like the tomato that, that was at Natalie's house. I was like, no, I already got the, the, the salvation package when like I decided that I had it. But I saw from the scriptures that I was so modified. My doctrine was so different than what Jesus' message was throughout the scriptures. And becoming what this message was, it was painful and uncomfortable. You know, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, no, I don't really know if I became a, a true organic disciple according to the scriptures. I don't know if I've ever really been saved according to Jesus' plan. Take time to study the scriptures. Get together. There's a, there's a, there's a whole you know, conglomerate of people here that want to study the Bible with, with many more people than are in this room right now. We want to study the Bible with this whole city. We want to study the Bible with this nation. We want to study the Bible with the world. Come on. And it's going to take one person at a time 
allowing their life to be changed according to God's process so that we can go forward and help many other people get out of this modification of Christianity and come into a true organic relationship with God. You know, sadly, in the religious world today, so many have settled for a modified doctrine um, because it's quicker and it's easier and it can mass produce. And we see it mass producing in, in a lot of places. Um, you know, it's much easier to have an emotional experience to be handed a short packet about how to be saved, right? To say a kind of a cookie-cutter prayer that you emotionally feel and sincerely believe. To take care of salvation between your important appointments and your busy life. And that's what's happened in our society today. There's literally packets floating around our city that you can pick up, and it's a quick, like, three-minute read, three, five-minute read, that is the, now that this, you can now have this genetically modified plan of salvation. And people are, are, are eating it up. People love it. They're soaking it up and, and it's mass producing. More and more people are just taking their stand on this. And when you get in with the organic message of discipleship and forgiveness and repentance, it's a challenge in our world today. But that's why we're part of this project. We're part of a project that's bringing forward the true doctrine of salvation. And we're going to face some opposition. We're going to face some challenges. But it will be worth it in the end. I saw this quote about GMOs. And I wanted to relate it to a quote about discipleship. It says, many feel GMOs add great value to their lives by increasing the food supply and making food cheaper to buy. Others are adamant that GMOs are bad and threaten the environment and human health in the long run. I talked about the statement a little bit. Many people feel modified doctrine adds great value to their lives by increasing the amount of people and making Christianity very, very simple in a Sunday experience. Others are adamant that modifying doctrine, modified doctrine is evil and threatens the eternal state of the soul who chooses to follow it. You know, for us, we're part of the latter. We actually believe that we need to bring into this world the life and the doctrine of Jesus. The same message of the first century church, that people need to hear this message. They need to understand it. They need to come to a faith in Christ, that, that Christ becomes their Lord, their Savior. That they actually turn away from their sin and they start pursuing the things that Jesus taught. And once they've made that decision, they can be baptized into Christ. And it's at that moment, through their faith in the blood of Jesus, that they can be forgiven of all their sin. And that now they can live a new life in the kingdom of God. And now they have God's spirit that will ever transform them to become different. That's the, that's the organic doctrine of the scriptures. And it's not the widely accepted doctrine of our world today. You know, why do we have evangelism? It's for this very reason. Why do we have the Crown of Thorns Project? Why do we have missions? Why do we have, why did we send five people out last year into the mission field? It's because we believe this message needs to be all over the world. Why do we have Bible talks on a weekly basis? Why do we have D times? Why do we have church services? Why do we have quiet times every day? Why do we deny ourselves and carry our cross? It's because Jesus wants us sanctified so that we can go forward and bring this project to so many more people. You know, our DNA as disciples is that we're, we're constantly changing. We're constantly changing and becoming more and more like Jesus. Yeah. And it's going to take some reflection. It's going to take us to reflect on the things that... And we've got to have a sober outlook of the things that we're scared of. But then we've got to connect to the scriptures 
and be able to live out our DNA and not settle for a modified doctrine or a modified discipleship. But we can only settle for the organic, true message of Jesus that's found here in the scriptures. Well, guys, that's our lesson for today. And to God, be all the glory. Amen.